0: Listen to me, I, Tyler, the scourge of Podcastia, the sorrow of Morstownia, command you, and Juice, who on a mountain of pods in a fortress of nerds sits on a throne of pops. What was will be, what is will be no more. Now is the season of nerdledge. Sorry. I don't know where that came from. Welcome to another episode of 30 Nerdy Podcast, nerds and nerdettes. I'm your host, the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack, and I am joined by the juicy one himself, the doctor of nerdonomics, Josh Davis. What's up, Doc?
1: Brother nerd, it's so good to see you. So good to hear your voice. Mm. It almost seemed like this is the episode that would never be, yet shall be again. Again.
0: Now
2: Finally, one.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of life, man. A lot of life happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, had a lot of things scheduled out to where they'd perfectly fall, and life finds a way to not allow these things to fall in your order. <laughs> so we uh, we're back though. Thank you for tuning in nerds uh if you are here for the first time go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on all things 30 nerdy podcast if you're returning thank you for coming back don't forget to hit that five star rating review or as our sweet little emma loves to say
1: five stars
0: and and how could you say no to that voice some try but it didn't work out <laughs> you've attempted uh, once or twice <laughs> No, we cannot get that overpriced flashy sword. No, we cannot get another Sisu toy. No, we will not watch this official. Okay, Daddy, time. but we can just get
1: it and take it home.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay, just <Okay>. thanks. <laughs> <bunch of> <laughs> That's exactly the opposite of what I just said, but you know, that, that'll work too. You didn't have to say it so sweet, but okay. So, uh, as we said, life, uh, how's school? You're on break right now, right?
1: I'm on break. You know how I uh, love my breaks. Yes. Uh, great time. I love to be at home for the holidays. Now that I have my own family, like I'm much less of a Scrooge than I used to be. You know, Emma's to the point where she understands Christmas and she's, you know, all into it and all excited about it. And this is really the first year that she's really fully understood it. So Ooh. we're having a lot of fun with all the Christmas stuff. And so I'm just really enjoying the holidays and all that stuff. But it is a busy time. We've oh. been struggling to, you know, to find time to get together to do our show. I'm so glad yeah. that we're here. You told me today that uh, you wanted me to remind you to tell me oh. about
0: the little. And this is why I, I did, because I never would have I would never would have remembered. On my way home from work, uh, I bought dinner tonight for the family. We, when I got home, uh, Maddie met me here, and we we helped decorate some for Christmas. And uh, uh, I was at Little Dutch, and I uh, walked in, and I said, "I got. I'm here to pick up a to go order." And I don't know who she is. Uh, she wasn't a student at MetaView, so I don't know how she would n- know initially who I was. But and she said, "What's the order?" And uh, I said, "It's for Tyler." And she and she said, oh, OK, it's this young girl, maybe 17, 18 years old, uh, red hair. She goes, OK. And she looks at the computer and she said and she says, and she said, Tyler. And I said, yes. And she looked at my shirt, which I'm wearing uh, the red 30 and 30 podcast shirt. And uh, <laughs> she goes, Tyler Mack. <laughs> and I was like, what? And She said, uh, Tyler Mac said, uh not a lot of people call me that, but sure. And she said, Are you one of the hosts of 30 energy podcasts? I went, uh. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes, You're the one that calls himself the Duke on the show. And I went, uh, no <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she goes, I listen, and I was like, Oh uh thanks um so my food uh <laughs> i gotta get out of here i <laughs> um, have offered an autograph or something at least I, I, I normally would have something in the car and like coasters or something but i since i last cleaned out my car i haven't put in any more of our stuff in there just worldwide well, have... baby stretching <laughs> all the way to morristown right outside the door um so if you're listening to this uh, i don't know who you are but uh Sorry if I acted awkward. Thank you for listening to the show. Um, I don't know how you found it. Please let us know. Uh, After that experience, she probably doesn't listen anymore. Yeah, she's probably like, oh, he was weird. I'm not listening again. He didn't even <laughs> appreciate me being a fan girl, <laughs> and that's why I try to continuously say on the show, like, tell the listeners, like, if you if something like that ever happens again, and I act weird, please don't take it personal. I believe the last four episodes we both said something about like it's really not personal. It's just that's not why we do uh this, it's not why we do stage stuff. It's not for the glory. It's, it's that's why we act awkward towards things like that. And I was just more like uh yeah, that's me. Uh I mean, I didn't even say like thanks for listening. <laughs> I was just like yeah. <laughs>
1: I've had a couple of uh, experiences like that, dude. You know, that's left, uh, left a good tip. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> that's good. <And> so <laughs> yeah,
1: I've had some experiences where it's like, you know, people I'm acquaintances with, or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just sort of know who they are. Like, oh, hey, you know, I, I listened to the show. I'm like, oh, wow. Thanks. Hope you listen to one of the good ones. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Fuck, oh
0: yeah yeah i hope it wasn't one of those that after we record and i'm on the way home i get a text going i didn't like that one man i didn't feel good about that not uh, a winner this time i also got on our facebook page i got a message from i don't know him personally i know that he does theater around town and around the area from time to time uh he sent a video his name's buck allum uh, so, hey, Buck. Oh, um, he sent I a know video, exactly what this is. <laughs> uh, saying, I think I saw him in Tuna when him and David Horton did Tuna, but I've never really like personally talked to him.
3: <laughs> and he
0: sent this big video of saying, like, uh, love the show, it's going great, but if you're not careful, you'll turn out like me. You have to stop what you're doing right now, or you'll turn out like me 50 with a secret room. And he's, it's this. Adam West style Batman's secret room that like unveils itself and it's this storage area of thousands of comic books and action figures. And oh. I was like, I immediately messaged him back, said, Can we do an episode in there? Can we <laughs> just like, whoa okay. have to record there?
1: Okay, so this is the dad of one of my great greatest students that i've ever had okay i'm, I'm not gonna say names um, <laughs> i recently had a class it was last spring number one best greatest class that i've ever had in my entire career okay and this kid was in that class and then coincidentally i've had him again this year and he was in the recent production we just put on he's a great kid um <laughs> great group of kids And uh, his dad has some involvement in theater as well, so we've spoken a few times. I saw,
0: I knew that I knew the name Buck Allen from a theater guild show. He did uh, Tuna Christmas with David Horton a few years ago. Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: I didn't really get to talk to him much. I was like, "Hey, great show!" And he was like, "Oh, you know, I know you." And I was like, "Okay." Um, (laughs) Like, I guess he had seen shows around that we had done, but. I'd never really talked to him, but when he sent the video to our our podcast messenger, I was like, holy crap, I want one of these. I now need to build a secret Adam West style Batman that unveils. I mean, I was just like, there are boxes and shelves and you and Rev would like, oh, it would be Christmas for you all. And I, I just messaged back, can we please record an episode in there? Oh, I bet he'd, all, he'd be all about it. So, Buck, if you're listening, we're down. Hey. We are down for it. We talk about these, these instances where we act awkward and, like, that's easier for me to message him back. But if he had, like, walked up to me and said, hey, I listen to the show and I want to show you some pictures of my room, I would go, uh, 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 that's cool. But like that was more easy for me to like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. We should record an episode in there. So to Buck, we're absolutely very willing. And thank you for listening to the the poor girl who listens to the show at Little Dutch tonight. Uh, and I acted awkward. I'm extremely sorry. Um, thank you for listening to the show. This is easier oh, for me man. to say, thank you, on because I'm, I'm not like right there in front of them. So thank you all. <laughs> it, it, we love positive feedback. Yeah, exactly. uh, we love even negative negative feedback. It's opportunities. So uh, don't be afraid. <laughs> um, just keep the negative less than the positive. Um, keep it
2: constructive, people.
0: Yeah, constructive. Uh, so. The show is, is over. Sherlock Holmes is over. Mm-hmm. And I was happy to see see you Sunday. You came to the last show. Uh, what would you think? It was interesting. Uh,
1: uh, I liked the whole concept of, like, Sherlock through the ages, like, different time yeah. periods. It was really cool. And uh, the director, TJ, I've worked with him before. Uh, and I really appreciated some of his own little artistic liberties he took as far as, like, the soundtrack and, and certain feels of, of moments in the show. So I really enjoyed it, but what was really strange about it was it's been, you know, since before the pandemic, I'd say Christmas time previous to the pandemic was the last time I was in that theater. And, you know, you got to understand people listening, 18, 19, 20, early twenties, Josh and Tyler we spent a lot of time uh, in that age. Space. We spent a lot of time in that theater on that stage. Really, a huge part of my young yeah. adult life. Yeah. Really, I is is like synonymous with that theater. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So many experiences there and memories. Um, but walking in there and sitting down in that audience, that place felt so small. Like it felt smaller than it used to be. And I was kind of saying that to, to TJ after the show and, you know, by comparison, the theater that I work in at my high school, is probably twice. high. It. So it's, you know, I'm just spending all the time in that huge theater. So yeah. maybe it's that aspect of it, but just, it was weird like being in a place that I used to know so well mm-hmm. and it feeling so strange to me. And I even went up on the stage and kind of walked around for a second. I was like, man, it just feels so different.
0: Well, you text me in intermission. You said, "Does this place seem smaller, or am I crazy?" Yeah. I said, no, it does. It seems smaller. The like it even world, seems smaller. Right? The last show I did on it was pre was the last show seen in Morristown before the pandemic. The Chorus line, and it even seems smaller now than it did then. In,
1: oh, I guess that was the last time I
0: was there. in I February of the, or January of twenty twenty before mm-hmm. everything happened. That was the last time I was on that stage, and I was like, "It does seem smaller. Holy yeah. crap, it does! Like yeah. I don't know what it is." Um, so, but I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun, um, you know. And you did a great job as you always do. Well, thank you. Um, the The vicar role I learned backstage. Um, I was working for voices for that small role, that little bit role part for weeks like i played them old ones i tried to channel uh different characters and uh i think it was wes or somebody said i love how like in the end you turned out the vicar wound up sounding like loki and i was like oh i mean i guess he did uh it's just a more loud deeper than what my actual voice because the first time i did it i was playing it like um um Max, we're going to talk about him later. Max Van Sietel, uh of and Old and stuff like that. Like his character in Force Awakens. <laughs> She's royalty to me. Um, and I was like, hey, this isn't working. Like, why is it so hard? I have very few lines in this character. And it's way more hard to find the character for this than it is for Sherlock or Watson. Um, which Watson, I basically just channeled Brendan Gleeson. I, I liked your Watson best most I people guess. do most that, people was my, that was my I favorite. loved there's there's something that's really awesome about the sherlock i got to i got to be the the classic the cape thing that he wears i got to do that costume but the 90s watson dressed like morgan freeman in seven i was like oh i love this suit man i want to keep this one like i feel like a detective this is amazing I'm still partial to my idea that
1: uh, he should have included TLC's uh, Waterfalls, Waterfalls, in, in his soundtrack. Since yeah, you know, one of the uh, endings for Old Sherlock yeah. was that he went over a waterfall. Died
0: in a waterfall. So, do you know? Do you know the story behind that? Yeah. So uh Arthur Conan Doyle wanted to kill Sherlock so many times he got so tired of writing. And this I'm is like my favorite Ford and every role he's ever played. Yeah, pretty much like Harrison Ford. He's like, I write other things other than Sherlock. I'm tired of it. I want to kill him. So every time he tried to kill him, he'd say he's dead. And then the publisher would come to him and say, what would it take for you to write another Sherlock story? And he's like, "Ah, God. And he every time he would name some astronomical number and they'd say, "Okay." So he just kept naming like these huge numbers and they kept giving him the money. So he's like, damn it, guys, like. I'm tired of writing Sherlock, and part of me is kind of like, screw you, Arthur Conan Doyle. If I had created a legendary character, I'd write him like crazy. It's kind of like what we talk about with Chris Evans. Oh, I don't want to be stuck in Captain America. Like, I'd love to be stuck as Captain America. Are you kidding me? What? He's not my favorite character, but. Lord, I'd play him till I was dead. Speaking of being stuck
1: in roles, have you heard the, uh, the hubbub about a possible return of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, as like the MCU Wolverine? Have you heard?
0: I know that the hubbub's always been there. I'm not putting and a lot
1: of stock in it.
0: He's, you know, He's always said that there are certain things that would have to happen. One, he said uh, it'd have to be a crazy crossover. Uh, Because he did always want to work with the Avengers. And Ryan would have to be involved.
1: What if? Maybe you've seen this theory already. That, you know, we kept seeing the Statue of Liberty in the Spider-Man trailer. You know, there's this moment in the trailer where Doctor Strange says, Oh, I can't. They're they're coming through. I can't can't hold them back. What if it's the X-Men at the big fight at Liberty Island at the end of X-Men 1? And
0: the fireworks going off and stuff.
1: Oh, right
0: there, Woo. I'd love it.
1: Wolverine up there fighting Mystique in the gift shop,
0: that'd be great. Cameo by up all there in, the, in
1: the torch, getting her hair all
0: cable uh, toad getting electrocuted. It'd be cool, man. It'd be awesome. Um, but but I had fun, uh. We did garnish a lot of fans like I didn't market that I really had a, a podcast. People just kind of caught on. And uh, I got to say, uh, aside from the swag I have set aside to uh, eventually to send to the women of cosplay and Beth and all them that I'm so behind on sending. Um, all of our season three swag is now gone. The cast just raided the the tub I brought. Them. They said well, we'd, like, we'd like something. So I just brought a tub, and it's all gone. It's a good thing that season four is right around the corner. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. Big things popping. Hats, shirts, stickers. It's all gone. Cast and crew of the show took them. And I'm very thankful they did. Uh, Thank you all. Um, So, uh, Wheel of Time. Um, First off, uh, sometime early next season, Taylor's going to come on the show. And nice. talk about Wheel of Time, and maybe we can get Rafe on. Uh, that would be really cool. Yep. Um, it it now has the, the title Most Watched Series Premiere on Prime Video.
1: I have heard good things. I've, I've seen it in passing.
0: It's on the list. I'm going to start it very soon. <laughs> I am very excited about it. I'm excited, too, man. I mean, we're big fans of high fantasy. Um, so... It's, it's nice to have another high. I know Game of Thrones was high fantasy, but it's removed. We're removed from it. It's, it'll be yeah. nice to have a, a new high fantasy series to keep us going. So congratulations to the cast and crew of Wheel of Time. Um, I can't wait. We know that season two has already been greenlit and they're filming it right now. Uh, speaking of excitement, and we're talking about Ghostbusters, opening weekend numbers for Ghostbusters Afterlife, 96% audience score. 44 million domestic box office for opening weekend. Number one movie in North America over the weekend, beating Eternals. Worldwide box office is over 60 million, which is a good start because it only took 75 million to make. I know uh, a lot of people personally
1: who have gone to see it. I had students who went to see it. Uh, I had one girl say that she saw it and uh, she had not seen the previous movies. She didn't see the old Ghostbusters. And I said, Did you? you know, were you able to follow along and keep up? And she said, yeah, you didn't have to see the old ones to appreciate this one. So that's a good sign. Like, because they explain. Well, but when you're doing movies like this, where you have the following and and there's the nostalgia aspect, you get you the challenge is to make the old fans happy, but at the same time, Gain the new fans, right? So, the fact that I've got kids coming to me saying, Oh, I saw Ghostbusters, I know you're into that stuff. I just wanted to tell you, I saw it and I really loved it, but I hadn't seen the old movies. Like, you're gaining new fans, exactly. New franchise, you know, so that's that's a good sign. So, I'm really nice. looking forward to seeing it. Uh, you know, we don't know that it's going to work out that we see it. Together. We don't know yet.
0: I, I should know. I'm, and I'll honestly, I'm go, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I will know in the morning if it's a don't-go-see-it for you because I'll come back and see it with you. Or if uh, – go ahead and go see it if you can. I'm seeing it tonight with okay. – just waiting a yay or nay from him because he's been under the weather. Plus, we got the Tennessee game tomorrow. It's the last, home, yeah. last game of the year. Um, so, going congratulations on. to Ghostbusters. Speaking of the box office – I want to. I want to. The top five box office in over the weekend Ghostbusters Afterlife. Sure. Eternals. Uh huh. What do you think number three is? House of Gucci. No.
1: Um, no, no, no don't tell me. Don't tell me. Um, gosh, what else is out?
0: Uh, <laughs> Clifford.
1: Oh, of course, Clifford the Big Red Dog. Come on, of course.
0: Which beat King Richard in fourth? The Will Smith, the he plays and the father of the uh, Dune is, in five, yeah. and then Dune at five. is holding up yeah. five. And in sixth place, and huge shout out to No Time Di- to Die. It oh. hit seven hundred and thirty four million worldwide, making it the highest grossing Hollywood movie of twenty twenty one. I got to catch up on the Daniel Craig. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm behind on the Craig Bonds. I just... I don't know. I've never proclaimed to be a massive Bond guy. I mean, I liked watching our James Bond, you know, but Piers I like Pierce Brosnan. Um, I've never... Claim to love Daniel Craig. I hear he's phenomenal as Bond. Uh, I remember when they cast him. him, A lot of Bond Nazis were like, "He's blonde."
1: Uh, You should go back and watch some of the Sean Connery Bonds. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's fun to watch.
0: That's James Bond. I mean, in all honesty, he was no matter your generation. Let's be honest. (laughs) Um, I know we don't really do a lot of nerdly news segments, but there were two that I wanted to, to, to get your your thoughts on. Uh, one, uh, the the Black Panther sequel has gone on full hiatus. Uh, Leticia Wright uh, injuries. Ha- she suffered some pretty serious injuries that have put a halt to production,
3: mm-hmm.
0: which I'm guessing that may signify that she is possibly who takes the mantle. I don't know, man.
1: This whole thing is really tricky, you know?
0: It's very tricky. And they've already said, like, no, he will not be recast. Yeah. So um, I get it.
1: But oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a sh- I mean, it's, it's a shame, right? Like, there's it's so much shame.
0: more we could, we could do. No. But there's, there's nothing, I mean, he, he was Black Panther and he, he just was in love with the role and played it. So, you know, they're, Ever, I've never disliked He's perfect. He's absolutely I've never perfect. Disliked a Marvel casting in the MCU so far, yeah. but there are those few that as Stan Lee would say, they were born oh, to yeah. be this part. And Bozeman was born to be T'Challa and, oh, and it just, it, it sucks and it's sad. Um, so we hope well, we wish her a speedy recovery and, um, This next thing, did you hear about this? Uh, (laughs) We launched a satellite into space to 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 fight uh, an asteroid
1: asteroid off course. Yeah. Yeah, Knock an asteroid off course from us. That's right, baby. We're moving on up. Was Bruce Willis unavailable? Don't want
2: to (laughs) close my
3: eyes.
2: Ben half-like Bruce, neither one of them <laughs> could
0: have gotten the job. Oh no, somebody. <laughs> I mean, so like literally, like, like part of my mine and Logan's comedy is we personify things. Like if, if we're driving down the road and the wind's blowing really hard and we see a stop sign or something waving in the wind, Logan will be like, Look at this sign. He's like,
1: Oh God, I'm hanging on.
0: Oh God. So <laughs> I started to think this satellite's life is to be launched into space and collide with an asteroid sending it off course, like it's saving us. I mean, it's not alive. It's a satellite, but you never know. Have you seen, you've seen the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? Yeah.
1: Right. You know, like the the two torpedoes get turned into a whale and a little like flower pot. And the whale is like, oh wow, what's this? Oh, air, oh, it's so cool. And he just
0: smashes into the ground. <laughs> that made me think of that. Uh so yeah, I thought that was an interesting story when I read it. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I mean, I guess thanks for looking out for us, <laughs> NASA. <laughs> um, good to know. Good to know. Um Good to, th- good to know we have a plan, at least. <laughs> but, I mean, Asteroid gets a little bigger. Satellite might not be able to help. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, but last time, uh, we've actually had, you know, despite the fact not being together uh, to record uh, much the last couple of weeks, we've actually had a plethora of content release. Uh, two episodes dedicated to the first Ghostbuster. Uh, who are you going to call part one and two? Probably some of the most detailed, in-depth <laughs> work
1: ever done on this show. Probably. I think my... Uh, Especially by me. Level, <laughs> my, uh, my first Matrix uh, movie breakdown might be a close second.
0: Yeah, yeah. But goodness gracious, we were uh, really... Pretty, you, uh, detailed. And then we we, uh, we released a... 20th anniversary celebration of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. 20 years, hard. can you believe it? 20 years. Ugh. Speaking of 20, 20 years, years, did you know that today, as we record, 31 years ago, Flubber was released.
1: Flubber. Robin you Williams, Flubber.
0: Mm. Um, Rest in peace. God, I Flubber. What a good one. Um. But yeah great
1: episodes uh Speaking I, think- rest, I feel like we should we should just say this um as it is you know well oh, documented God. on the show uh the late great steven sondheim has passed away rest in peace the uh, um, as theater people i feel like we should acknowledge that i actually just did uh some stuff about sondheim in my class over the last couple weeks my kids had
0: a quiz on tuesday
1: so uh, when you get
0: back uh, from break, uh, you're going to be like, uh, guys, yeah, history oh, yeah. happened. I mean, because this is the guy who gave us Sweeney Todd. Funny thing happened on the way to the forum, into the woods. In the woods. I mean. <laughs> Responsible for uh, the music in West Side Story. Yeah. Iconic. Some of the hardest music you'll ever do, but also some of the most beautiful shows you'll ever do. I mean, you, you have twice now been a part of a Sondheim project. Sweeney Todd and Into yeah. the Woods. Yeah. Into uh, the Woods, which is probably some of his hardest stuff, especially your fault. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. Every time I show that one in class, I, we get to that point, and I'm like, okay, guys, if one person is off, even yeah. by just a, like a half a beat, the whole thing is ruined. It's yeah. like hot potato, boom, 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 boom. And that's what sometimes music was. It was like a musical train wreck, just, but it always worked. And it's a challenge. But it's Sondheim was was someone who really put a lot of stock into the words. The words are important, the lyrics are important. The lyrics yes. have to have something to say. not only should they sound pleasant so like you know rhyming and the rhythm and the rhyme scheme and all that stuff, but they have to be important. Like all of the all of the lyrics further the story or tell us what the character is thinking or the motivations of the character. you yeah. know it's not just. Blah, da, 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 blah, blah, blah. It's, it's got a purpose to it, right? So that's why his music is just so memorable and so, like, there's always this epic feeling to it, right? Yeah. And like Sweeney Todd to me is some of the best storytelling. It's my oh, all time favorite easy. musical.
0: So TJ being a former director of Sweeney Todd when you played Sweeney Todd mm-hmm. and me being the original Sherlock in that era. It took place in the same time. So at one point, Wes said, you know, at the end of your scene, you get the hankering for an ale and a meat pie. I said, yeah. He said, you guys easily could be walking down the street to Mrs. Lovett's. I was like, oh, now I want to see Sweeney Todd versus Sherlock Holmes. Oh, I was like, that's a book we need. Like, he could Sherlock solve, that, solve it? I think you would. Yeah. Oh, that would be so good. So, some here's you, here's. Sorry. Go ahead. Did you realize that
1: uh, in that scene in the in the play, you went to uh, get your meat pie in your slippers? You didn't change. Yeah, your that shirt. was a
0: running joke. He, TJ said that's how it, he would think. He'd just go, "Ooh, I want a meat pie," and then I said, "Well, we should. I think it'd be funny to add the line, Watson saying like uh, Sherlock, your shoes." <laughs> But like he's like no, just let the audience be like he left in his slippers.
1: First thing I thought, I leaned over the mass and I was like, he's still in his slippers. What an animal! <laughs> what an animal! At least I wasn't
0: barefoot. I could, yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Especially on the 18, 1896 or whenever streets of London. Get off this street with your toes out. <laughs> so uh, here are some of, and and at least our listeners will know of at least one of these shows. A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, Company, Follies, A Little Night Music, Sweeney Todd, uh, Sunday in the Park with George, and Into the Woods, and did the music for Gypsy and West Side Story. What a career. What a legacy, uh, legacy. he left. And 91. Oh, oh. At 91, though, like I'm like, well, yeah, he wasn't young. 91 is when you should pass away. But at the same time, yesterday, everyone was like, we had Thanksgiving with him. His family was like, he was at lunch and dinner and just didn't wake up this morning.
1: Lin-Manuel Miranda shared uh, an email that he got from him on Friday. Just, well, the, this uh, Netflix exclusive thing, uh, tick tick boom just came out. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Garfield was in and he was amazing. By the way, if you're into musicals and stuff, you should check it out. It's really good. Um, But Lin-Manuel Miranda directed that. And in the story and this was a true thing. Mm-hmm. Stephen Sondheim showed up at Jonathan Larson's workshop for one of his musicals yep. and they started to, you know, kind of have a little bit of a friendship and, and they talked back and forth. Um, so, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda was getting a lot of feedback about the Sondheim, you know, cameo in, in the movie. And he had emailed him about that. Um, and just sort of shared his response. Like, oh, I was happy to be a part of John Larson and all this stuff. And, you know, Stephen Sondheim learned from Oscar Hammerstein of Rodgers and Hammerstein. Yeah. He was like his adoptive father pretty much. So yeah. he said, I felt like I should repay what he gave me, and I feel like definitely uh, Sondheim did that. So,
0: And someday Lynn manuel will do that for someone else. Yeah. 20, 30 thousand, years from now. Uh, yes. So – and I, 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 can, I love – the jonathan larson story because i'm i'm such a, you've done rent and i'm a huge rent fan mm-hmm. but on the bonus of disc two of the two disc rent set is the entire story yep. that you're basically seeing in tick tick boom with jonathan larson like him writing tick tick boom him working at the diner his friends talking about his life and him dying before the premiere workshop or the rent.
1: first uh, uh the first preview of it Yeah. Yeah. And have you seen it yet, Tick Tick Boom?
0: Uh, no. I'm waiting till me and Maddie can get some time to just sit down and watch it. Um, but what order. I've seen is Garfield is, has embodied him. The same way that Rami Malik embodied Mercury, he has embodied Jonathan Larson. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's, All it's, it's very, very good. I can't wait. Um, but we are continuing our Ghostbusters conversation with the 1989 sequel, Ghostbusters 2. Uh, so get ready to bust some ghosts, boys and girls. It's slime time. And we got some vocabulary some words here. Uh, PKE, or psychokinetic energy, is the energy given off when paranormal entities are near. High PKE readings suggest the power of a spirit is dangerous or at least strong enough to cause harm. So a high PKE reading could signify a poltergeist or something demonic. Or something as scary as a librarian um, mm-hmm. ghost. <laughs> uh, the second nerd vocabulary word is etheric, the etheric layer of the human body that is said to be the lowest level in the human energy field, or a person's aura. When you hear people be like, "Oh, his aura is all wrong," or "His aura is," I can feel their aura. That's their etheric layer of the human body. And their third nerd vocabulary word is something we're going to talk a lot about in this episode. psycho slime or mood slime. It's a powerful, psycho-reactive plasm in Ghostbusters 2 that responds to human emotional
2: states, both positive... You
1: useless and piece of slime! <laughs> <laughs> you!
2: You're nothing but a... <laughs> oh, baby.
0: It's always the quiet ones. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about Ghostbusters too, just a little, you know, maybe not as in detail as the first one, but, uh, we're definitely going to talk about some behind the scenes stuff, some unknown nerdledge, some of the plot, and we got some other great reactions and questions sent in from the social media verse of nerdless. So nerds. So thank you so much. Uh, we'll get to those, uh, after we take a quick intermission, 30 nerdy podcast. We'll be back.
1: 30 nerdy's presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official 30 nerdy swag is advertising expressions
0: juice what would superman be without the big s on his uh,
1: shirt yeah 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 and what about iron man what what if he couldn't slap that stark industries logo on everything
0: you know clark and tony they probably go to advertising expressions like us for all their advertising needs oh, yeah. and so should you
1: And when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible.
0: That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet... Check out Advertising Expressions at Advertising-Expressions.com
1: Or give them a call at 423-586-3270
0: And tell them the nerds at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you.
2: Tennessee Legend Distillery was founded in 2015 and has quickly become one of the top distilleries for natural extracts and ingredients in its spirits. With no high-fructose corn syrup, artificial sweeteners, or harmful ingredients, Tennessee Legend Distillery has four locations in the state of Tennessee with our Newport, Sevierville, Cookville, and Nashville distilleries. You see, at Tennessee Legend Distillery, we have spent more time focused on the quality of our spirits than the number of our stores. We have a great selection of non-flavored spirits as well, like vodka, bourbon, whiskey, and gin. Tennessee Legend Distillery has multiple awards and medals for state, national, and international spirit contests, and even carries 2019's best tasting whiskey in the state of Tennessee with our salted caramel 60 proof whiskey. We offer discounts for veterans, active military, nurses, police officers, firefighters, first responders, and even multiple bottle discounts. Don't live in Tennessee? We ship to select states. Go to GACraftSpirits.com to see if we deliver to you. That's G-A-C-R-A-F-T-S-P-I-R-I-T-S dot com. If you stop by the Sevierville location, tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you and be a legend. Tennessee Legend Distillery by receiving a free shot glass and 15% off of your order. What are you waiting for? Cheers to you. My name is Paige, and I'm the host of
0: Reverie True Crime. Reverie means to daydream, but even daydreams can turn into nightmares. Join me as I tell you haunting and horrific reveries about missing people and senseless murders. I also interview survivors and people seeking justice for themselves or a loved one. New episodes come out every Monday morning, and sometimes you'll get bonus episodes on Thursdays. Wherever you're listening to this current podcast right now, you can find Reverie True Crime. that's we are busting ghosts again we're talking about the 1989 sequel to ghostbusters uh we talk a little bit off air doesn't get the love as much as the first one we don't see it we don't see where all the hate comes from i mean of course it uh you know has the curse of the sequel every sequel does but as for bad sequels this is not a bad sequel In my no, i don't i don't think so at all I have seen worse sequels. <laughs> I mean, but we'll but we'll talk about all that. So let's talk a little bit about Ghostbusters 2, Juice. Let's do. Well, Ghostbusters 2 is a 1989
1: American supernatural comedy film directed and produced by the one and only Ivan Reitman and written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, much like the first Ghostbusters. hmm Film stars Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, Ernie Hudson, and Annie Potts all returning from the first movie. And it is the sequel to the 1984 film Ghostbusters and the second film in the Ghostbusters franchise. Set five years after the events of the first film, the Ghostbusters have been sued and put out of business after the destruction caused during their battle with the deity Gozer. When a new paranormal threat emerges, the Ghostbusters reunite to combat it and save the world
0: yet again. They all return. We got the entire original cast back. So there's already a positive check for a sequel. (laughs) Nobody was recast, which is rare Um, sometimes. Um, And honestly, man, I think I'm gonna go out on a limb here and I'm not pissing people off. I think uh-huh. the supporting cast is better in this movie. Oh, like uh, Janos, Janos, which there is every time he is a, in a scene. There is a robbery going on because that man steals every scene he's in. Let me tell you about Janos. I learned this listening to a, a podcast. Actually, we're ready to ready to believe you podcast, and they're about it's about Ghostbusters. It's a Ghostbusters okay. podcast. Hence the name. Um, So they talk a little in depth about the guy who played Janosch and he created, I mean, he was kind of like Bill, barely any script for him. Barely. So about 99% of what you see him doing, he's just doing like when he comes enters and he's like, everything you're doing is just bad. The accent he gave him, uh, he, he created an entire backstory and created a flag for where he was from, which was a fictional area that sat on his desk. Do you know where his character is from? Where? Carpathia. He created an entire backstory on how Janos is from Carpathia, born there and moved oh, to New York. wow. I created this entire backstory on how Janos is descendants could have been who killed Vigo, you know, and like he created a Carpathian flag that sat on his desk on a little, little stick. And I was like, that is someone who loves the craft. We should, we should mention
1: that uh, the, the gentleman we're referring to, his name is Peter McNichol. Mm-hmm. I believe is how you say it. Yes. He's done a lot of stuff. He was in Alley McBeal, Grey's Anatomy. Um, he, actually a, big, a he has time. a big arc in Grey's Anatomy. For a few seasons. Uh, so beat. he played Doc Ock in the spectacular Spider Man cartoon. He sounds like a Doc Ock, doesn't he? But what I knew him from was he did one episode of The Big Bang Theory. Okay. And he played like this crazy genius scientist who was a recluse. He lived out in the middle of nowhere. And
0: you know what? I think I've seen that episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was really good. Yeah. And he everything he does. He was so weird about like he, like time. He didn't know like what was real. What has this already happened? Oh have they shown yeah, up? Because he, he thought
0: he was in? a he thought he was a time traveler at one point. Like, like he's already that. seen this, he's already yeah. experienced this, and what's real. I remember that episode. I have seen that episode. Yeah.
2: He
1: plays Everything very eccentric, high strung, you know, sorts of characters.
0: Yeah. He's also in a, uh, Mr. Bean. <laughs> he, he was in Mr. Bean as well. <laughs> um, so after the phenomenal success, success though of Ghostbusters, Columbia Pictures wanted a sequel that struggled to overcome objections from the cast and crew. As with the first film, Aykroyd and Ramos collaborated on the script, which went through many variations. The pair wanted to convey a message about the consequences of negative human emotions in large cities. They settled on the idea of negative feelings creating a mass of supernatural slime beneath New York City that empowers malevolent spirits. With a budget of anywhere from 30 to 40 million, filming took place between November 1988 and March of 1989 in New York City and Los Angeles, production was rushed compared to the original film's 13 month cycle large sections of the film were scrapped after poorly received test screenings new scenes were written and filmed during reshoots between march and april of 1989 two months before its release now
1: it was actually released on june 16th 1989 you were just a wee little little baby and i was was i wasn't even born yet to generally negative reviews, can you believe it? Mm-hmm. Critics responded unfavorably to what they perceived as largely a copy of the original and a softening of its cynical, dark humor to be more family-friendly. Although the performances of Peter McNichol, who Janosch, we've just talked about, and Rick Moranis were repeatedly singled out for praise, as they should be. Yes. As the sequel to the then-highest grossing comedy film of all time, Ghostbusters 2 was expected to dominate the box office. Instead, the film earned $215.4 million during its theatrical run compared with the original's $282.2 million, making it the eighth highest grossing film of the year. Columbia Pictures deemed it a financial and critical failure, the effect of which dissuaded Murray from participating in a third Ghostbusters film. Its soundtrack single, On Our Own by Bobby Brown, was a success spending 20 weeks
0: on the United States music charts. They saw that as a financial failure. Two hundred fifteen point four million in nineteen eighty nine, and the eighth highest-grossing movie of the year. They saw as a financial failure. It's pretty high standards there, old Columbia. Yeah. I mean, two hundred fifteen point four million in twenty twenty one would be a pre-pandemic. Would probably not garnish a sequel, but that's insane. The film failed to replicate the cultural impact and following of Ghostbusters, although some retrospective critics praised it. Ghostbusters 2 is generally seen as a poor follow-up to Ghostbusters and responsible for stalling the franchise for decades. The film spawned a series of merchandise, including video games, board games, comic books, music, toys, and haunted houses. Despite the relative failure of Ghostbusters 2, a second sequel was pursued, Through the early 2010s. Financially unsuccessful 2016 series reboot led to renewed efforts for on a sequel for Ghostbusters 2 titled Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was released this past weekend. But if you didn't know, I, along with Rich, Dre, and Ken M had already seen it in New York Comic Con. I
1: hadn't heard heard about that. That must have
0: been so exciting. It was 7,000 grown people bawling their eyes out, hugging one another, smacking one another violently in excitement. And if you ask Maddie, she loves to tell the story. She said, you'll never understand what it was like to see thousands of grown men coming down the escalators, hugging and crying after seeing them i was like i understood because i was there
1: <laughs> well you know i've lived that in a different fandom when we were at wrestlemania 30, 30
0: you got to see your boy
1: well no when you and i were at the one in orlando when the Hardy Boys reunited and showed up out mm-hmm. of nowhere yes there was lots of jumping up and down hugging we were a part of that we we were the two guys hugging each other when the hardy boys showed up so yeah it happened
0: uh but before we get to the plot uh juice uh how many times have you seen this one and what are your feelings on ghostbusters too? um how many
1: times have i seen i would say less than 10 fewer than than 10 in my entire life um six or so Mm -hmm. uh my thoughts on it are, I, I like it. I like it just fine. Uh, yeah, I understand it doesn't have quite the same magic as the first one, but that's that's a common thing, right? Like, it's hard to you know, catch lightning in a bottle twice. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like it totally holds up. I, I, I don't understand the hate for it. But that being said, I'm also not a
0: ghost head like yeah. you. Of- <laughs> I don't get the hate. Like we said, probably say a hundred times, nothing will ever beat the first of anything. I think the only time I've ever said a sequel was better was um, the reboots of The Hills Have Eyes. I think the sequel's better. Uh, Empire's better than A New Hope. It's very rare to say a sequel's ever better than its original. So to go in thinking, oh, this is going to be better, initially, you're already setting the sequel up to fail. I think you have to go in with realism in your mind. Five years later. I wonder if this was the first sequel to do that. The five-year time jump. Avengers Endgame. (laughs) That's where they got it. Ghostbusters 2. Uh, So five years after saving New York City from destruction by the shape-shifting god Gozer, Ghostbusters have been sued for property damage incurred and barred from investigating the supernatural, forcing them out of business. First of all, Nobody sues the Avengers or the Justice League. Nobody sues superheroes.
1: They did did get some laws put in action because of them, though.
0: That's true. That's true. Um,
1: But But there were so many people there in the first Ghostbusters to bear witness to what went down. How could there not be some exceptions made? Like, these
0: guys are clearly the heroes. The mayor also literally said, go do it. What do you need from me? And then stiffed them on the bill. And
1: also, why is it that Rick Moranis was an accountant and now is qualified to be a lawyer? Well, he got his law degree on,
0: at night school because he, he wanted that? to, he moved into tax laws from accounting. Yeah, so, oh, okay. So I missed that. And they just hired him because they were like, well, he's cheap for us and he's got his law degree. Uh, so Ray Stance now owns an occult bookstore and works a side job along some, alongside Winston Zeddemore as unpopular children entertainers. Uh, Egon Spangler works in a laboratory experimenting with human emotions, and Peter Venkman hosts a television talk show about psychics, which plays back to the line that Dana says. You don't seem like a scientist. You're more like a game show host. Game show host. So I have
1: something about the uh, game show, or not the game show, but Venkman's show. The guy predicting the end of the world. That's Sam Witwicky's dad from the Transformers. Yes, it is. And the lady there, uh, she was Monica on Shameless. Monica Gallagher,
0: the, the mom to all the Gallagher kids
1: mm-hmm. on Shameless.
0: Uh, that is uh, Mr. Witwicky. And uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, he was right. The world did almost end that New Year's Eve. He was right in his prediction. Wow, what happened? Because that's when all the stuff with Vigo goes down. Is New Year's Eve. Oh. He was right the entire time in his prediction. It should have ended. But they got in the way of it. And so I, who I was for it? him, I'd be like, I was right. You guys kept it from happening. I'm suing you. Who was it that, uh, that said it was Valentine's Day? Because uh, Valentine's Day, bummer. Oh, okay. I also love that like in the movie they can't break the fourth wall they can't look at the camera but you put Bill Murray on a show he's hosting it gives him these opportunities to
3: <laughs> look yeah. at the
0: camera because he's looking at his has at his audience up for yeah. the show so he those little things he's doing like very like set the stage for people like Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool but like that line Valentine's Day <laughs> well it's like well well, for your hopes' sake i hope you're right like why why this year why new year's eve it's not going to do good for your book sales man like you won't get you won't get paperback sales for at least another year Um, (laughs) so flash to dana barrett peter's ex-girlfriend has an infant son named oscar with her ex-husband and works at an art museum cleaning artwork. She turns to the ghostbusters for help after Oscar's baby stroller rolls seeming, seemingly by itself into a very busy intersection. At the museum, a painting of Vigo the Carpathian, a 16th-century European tyrant and powerful magician, comes to life and enslaves Dana's boss Janos Poha. Vigo orders Janos to bring him a child that he may live again allowing him to escape the confines of his painting and conquer the world. Because if his infatuation with Dana uh, uh, didn't say enough, you knew that Janos was going to choose Oscar.
1: (laughs) Oh, command me, Lord. Oh, command me, Lord.
2: By the way, Mm -hmm. uh,
0: this
1: actor, uh, Mr. uh, McNichol, Peter McNichol, he also was Mad Hatter in the Arkham uh, Batman games. One of my system. favorite games
0: uh, series. That's of one Baltimore. of my favorite renditions of Matt Hatter. Same here, yeah. He is good. So, this guy is is oh, yes to top take. notch for Adam, sure. Where is Alice? Dark Knight. Um, a little bit about this gentleman who plays Vigo, Carpathian. Physical Vigo. The physical Vigo, yes. like a German wrestler or something. He's a it? German wrestler, and his father was a Nazi soldier. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk a little bit more. I have some 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 unknown knowledge about him when we when we discuss the why we keep saying the physical Vigo. We'll talk right, about
3: right, it. right, right, right. Um,
0: so this first little bit is why I think the sequel is not bad. OK, it sets us up with five years later where they are. It gives us that nice little quick explanation. You know, Egon's working in a lab trying to work on the uh, experiments with human emotions, how negative emotions and positive emotions can affect the environment around people, uh, which first off, can we just say uh, liar? Just to get did you did you catch that when uh, she's her backs to him and she says, does he ever mention me? Does Peter ever talk about me? And he just looks at her and he goes, no, and holds the thing up to her to see her reaction. Yeah. Straight up lied to her for science, man. (laughs) No. and gets a reaction. He's like "Hmm," and writes it down.
1: He also probably just did not want to get into that conversation. but. But plus,
0: like. His hair also has a sequel in this sequel. It is taller than originally. His hair is so tall in this That week. late 80s hair, baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> the close the taller your hair, closer you are to God. Close uh, to God. <laughs> um, but I love this entire opening, man. I mean, it gives us where everybody's at, somewhat of a what's happened in the five years. Um, Ray and first off, uh poor Dana five years later still she can't catch a break uh piece of crap and let's just discuss that that's the true villain of this movie because
1: Oscar's
0: ivan reitman even said like oh it's, it was meant to suggest to you that she ended up marrying the stiff from the first one who's the stiff It's oh, suggested that yeah. she ended up marrying him God, after her no and peter person broke person. up okay. because he was also an orchestra player and well, we broke up, the divorce happened, he got a better opportunity in London, and just abandoned his freaking child? He's the bad guy in this movie. I, I, I did. I never liked that, that they
1: she had a kid with somebody else, and she ended yeah. up with somebody else. Why couldn't they have just been together, and it be his kid, and raise the stakes that much more?
0: It would have raised the stakes more.
1: You know, like, this is Vinkman Jr. out here that's in danger. I don't know. Just because it felt like we're just rehashing the whole he's trying to get the girl and she's not interested. Yeah. Oh, no, they got the girl. But now we're starting all over again.
0: You yeah, know? it's my baby, but I'm not really been present. It scared me. We broke up. Yeah. Gives him an opportunity to be a, um, a second chance father if they went that route. Like, no, let's give him a story arc of becoming a better father but like suggesting that she ended up marrying the sniffly stiff with the allergies in the first movie. And he just abandons the child to go to London. It's like, what a terrible human being. He's worse than any ghost trying to rule rule the world. You Um,
2: worthless piece of slime. (laughs)
0: Um, Ecto one's looking rough looking rough in this opening stuff it's, it's got the backfiring going on looks all beat up uh and the party you know? okay sorry you're probably about to say the
1: thing i was gonna say no go ahead i want you the to party say... scene uh you know he man he man some people suggest that that was a joke because there was kind of a a, a war between he-man masters of the universe and ghostbusters in toys though those were the two big toys at the time uh, mm-hmm. and so that was one thing and also there was a young uh jason reitman there
3: was
1: who walks up and says you know my dad says you guys are full of crap uh and his character's it. name was jason
0: <laughs> jason reitman he who would, would go, go on, to, on you know? to give us afterlife yeah uh. It's so beautiful. Like, when I realized that, I mean, I didn't realize that that was Jason Reitman until after seeing Afterlife. That's like, oh, my God. Maybe one day,
1: Jet Lucas will give us a Star Wars movie.
0: Mm. Everything that we wanted, like his dad gave us. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The party scene was always funny to me, though, uh, because... Well, it became really funny after a certain time in my life because uh, what I actually don't advertise a lot apart from the theater, uh, but to do with the theater is one of the characters I played that actually was one of my first leads. Um, The summer after my senior year, I played Chad in High School Musical. And after High School Musical ended, did I ever tell you about some of the things we we we'd do as characters? I don't know. We would get hired to go to birthday parties. Oh, okay. Get like yeah. the skating rink and stuff, and we'd do a song, and we'd be in character. Ashley would be talking to me as Troy, and Emily as Sharpay. And yeah, watching like this scene now, I was like, ugh, like, that's just so, like, especially. The part where they're trying to be the Ghostbusters. And they're getting booed because it's the next best thing. Like, what's bigger than Ghostbusters now? You guys are old school. He-Man.
2: He-Man.
0: At one point during a party, we were talking in character, being Chad, being Troy and all that. And uh, um, somebody asked us if we knew some people. And I didn't know who they were, but it was freaking Camp Rock characters. And I was like, no, I don't know them. <laughs> you might have already been replaced. Because I didn't see Camp Rock. And after watching this again, I was like, that's funny. That's hilarious. Um, but also, the, uh, the whole moment where after the party, which um, before we get to that, how meta is it? That they're singing the Ghostbusters theme. That's an inception in its own. I had that same thought actually. Meta joke, like saying that the Ghostbusters theme from our real life that came out when the first one is the actual Ghostbusters theme
3: like, in the who,
0: who in the Ghostbusters world wrote the song for them? Exactly. Because Ray Was Parker there a Ghostbusters movie for them too exactly um that just was such a meta joke to do and such a time where like this was before like everybody loves meta humor now everybody loves it breaking the fourth wall blah 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 that was such a before it's time thing to put in a movie in 1989 um we also uh get to meet uh the mayor's assistant. Um, and this is a guy who plays pretty much the same character in everything he is. Uh, if you're a fan yeah. of natural, he plays Zachariah the Archangel. Um, this guy is still pretty involved with the Ghostbusters like fandom
1: community yeah. and all that stuff, I think, because he was in that documentary.
2: The Ghostbusters,
0: Ghost
1: yeah, he was interviewed for that. Uh, so he's still very involved with the fan base,
0: yeah. Which is, which is great to see. Uh, even the smaller characters being involved uh, is, is always fun to see. Um, but yeah, as I said, he, he's Zachariah or Zach, uh, one of the, he's not an archangel, one of the angels and supernatural. And he plays the exact same character, pretty much. The way he talks to Bankman is the way he talks to Sam and Dean. Um, and in pretty much every movie he's in, that's who he is. And uh, his name is Kurt Fuller. Uh, he's in quite a bit, he's actually got quite a resume, but uh, but he's also part of the reason that I say the supporting cast in this is better than in the first one because I do like the character Kurt Fuller is playing better than Peck in the first one. Yeah, I think he's a better supporting character. The mayor, um, I think that Yanosh is a great supporting character obviously i think that the mayor's got some better parts in this i think that rick moranis ups his game you know he's in more janine ups her game um it's just it's just i, I just i, I, I love janine
1: so much man i know she's like my favorite supporting character for sure yeah. like even more than rick moranis who i think i'll say again is a national treasure yes. uh, but annie potts man janine love her Mm. uh <laughs> what was it she says about uh like uh, danny comes back from dinner and it's like oh yeah we gave him a, a french bread uh bread pizza, pizza. and
0: he went passed right out right now very good baby it's like you would never give that to a baby <laughs> like, like oh at okay. that age if you all had came home and i'd said yeah i gave her a piece of pizza and she just passed right out you also would be like you are never watching her again. <laughs> you can't feed a toddler pizza i mean not even a toddler the baby um I, I just think that all the character moments we get early on here in this first little bit and in introductions to supporting cast and where they've what they're doing now five years later. It just seems more tight in this one. And maybe it's because the first one was so new. And so is it going to happen? Is it going to work? So rough around the edges. This one's more, I mean, in this one, they actually had a true Hollywood cinematographer do everything. I mean, he had done actual Oscar award-winning films and they actually had a ILM do the stuff in this one that's that's the name of it right like boss was already dissolved again by by the time this this movie came around and ilm actually did it so it just seems tighter and more more polished and maybe that's why a lot of people didn't like it maybe they saw the polish and were just like "Mm, it's just not the same Mm -hmm. but again you're not going to get the same um and another funny thing I found that the second most asked question online when you search Ghostbusters 2, um, to the second or third, is Was Vigo a real person? <laughs> I was like, Well, I mean, I guess they did their job if they made him feel so real, like everything they talk about Vigo that people are yeah. Like saying, Yeah, I mean, real?
1: Seems like he could be one of those, like you know, uh, Genghis Khan or
0: Nostradamus or or Ivan the Terrible, or so yeah. I mean, I think they did a good job then. If people are literally like,
2: huh, this guy
0: might be real, he seems real, but he wasn't, (laughs) he was not a real person. Uh, I think we would know about Vigo the Carpathian by now if he were real, somebody would have taught us in history. Thank God he wasn't real. <laughs> he wasn't a nice guy. No, he was not. He was terrible. So, moving on to a little bit more of the plot.
1: Meanwhile, the Ghostbusters excavate the intersection where Oscar's Stroller stopped and discover a river of slime running through the abandoned beach pneumatic transit system. Ray obtains a sample but is attacked by the slime and accidentally breaks a pipe that falls onto a power line, causing a citywide blackout. Yeah. The Ghostbusters are arrested again and taken to court <laughs> for damage and for investigating the supernatural. In the courtroom, the slime sample is presented as evidence. It responds physically to the judge's angry tirade against the Ghostbusters and then explodes, summoning the ghosts of two brothers he sentenced to death. The Ghostbusters capture the ghosts in exchange for a dismissal of the charges and the right to resume the Ghostbusters business.
0: Oh, my God. It's the Scaleri brothers.
1: That part was a little spooky. It was. The I was scary. watching this uh, the other day, and Emma happened to be in the room when that scene oh no. started. Well, I paused it because I knew, like, most of this movie, nothing's going to bother her. This part would definitely freak her out. So I had to pause uh, while she was in the room
0: really the only part in the whole thing that's spooky that's that's a very but it's also a very trademark for this movie like everyone knows the courtroom scene even if you've seen it first a lot of people harken back to the courtroom scene they loved it the dialogue that happens uh stuff like that the scaleri brothers are great uh, getting to see them put on the packs again it's just fantastic stuff um i love the courtroom scene for a few reasons. One being the national treasure that is Rick Moranis. All the stuff he's doing. Um, even when he walks into the scene, his first lines, he's like, I, I do mostly tax laws. Like, I don't know why you asked me to do this. I, I got my law degree at night. And Dan Ackroyd is just like, that's great, Lewis. We were arrested at night. <laughs> like, just these little things and like watching Egon's face in the courtroom scenes. Egon alone is like like i said in the last episode watch this movie whatever movie actually that harold ramis is in stripes whatever watch them two or three times one of them just watch harold ramis
3: he's brilliant his
0: faces the little things he he reigns in the looks he gives to people like he's so aware in his scenes um and more aware than the others like you can see it like dan Aykroyd is a phenomenally scripted comedian actor Bill Murray is a phenomenally talented improv actor. Improv, yeah. Harold Ramis reigns everything in so well and in a good way, to where he's so—it's almost Shakespearean the way he handles things. Just, it's like he—he's so present in the scene. Mm-hmm. Even if he's just listening to someone talk the way he makes eye contact with them, the way he nods certain things, he's just so present. And, and the others don't do it the way that Harold Ramis does. Uh, it's just, it's so brilliant. Um, funny little mistake happens in the courtroom scene though. What's did that? You know? no. uh, in the beginning of the scene, Winston is in the courtroom with them. I Okay. I did actually notice that. He actually says, oh, wow, this seems like a tough guy. And he's like, yeah, they call him the hammer. But by the end of the courtroom scene, while they're busting the ghosts, Winston's nowhere to be seen. Yeah, I was kind of wondering why the, the three other guys were in trouble and
1: Winston was off the hook. Because yeah. he was there for all that New York stuff as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's funny that that little, because like, he's also not even in the courtroom watching the thing take place. Yeah, and he so, wasn't a part of the Do-Re-Egon. So I, I'm going to assume that it was, you know, behind the scenes, it was probably like he just wasn't there to finish that stuff. But story-wise, I created something to fill that plot hole. You he's, did? Yeah, he's who got everyone out of the courtroom.
1: Well, he is a hero. so He yeah. is a hero.
0: So I think... That, that makes two. sense. And that's another reason that I, I don't see where all the hate... Winston gets so much more in this movie. Oh so yeah, more. he gets
1: the great moment with the train sliming yeah. him. Did you happen I to did. get that,
0: the number? I missed it. I'm Ray. sorry, I missed it. <laughs> um, so, uh, talking about uh, the co- the courtroom scene, uh, we could talk about for for, but this the that night after, um. Plus we get, you know, we're back because they bust the ghost. The, the He dismisses the case and, you know, dismisses pretty much all the charges previous against him, and they can be Ghostbusters again. And so we get another montage. Uh, Ghostbusters fun, for hire. Yeah. A fun little montage. A new song, which this song is also called Ghostbusters. Um. And in all honesty, a lot of people see it as a better Ghostbusters song than Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. There's a lot more for this version. Something strange going on. Something's wrong. Uh, And we get another commercial from them where where, uh, Janine and Lewis are in bed together and this fake ghost comes across and they're like, ah who are you going to call
2: ghostbusters
0: <laughs> Who <laughs> are you going like, to call? that's right kids new with coffee mugs and balloon for the kids like it's <laughs> it's so cheesy it's great it's great i love the courtroom scene i love the montage um and and i think part of the thing that some people hate about it is there are blueprint like let's do that moment again let's do another montage let's do another peter dana moment but i feel like that was also a common thing in the 80s too though like 80s movies that tropes there were always tropes there's tropes today you cannot even if you're a massive mcu fan most of those early faces were blueprints they just followed the same mcu (laughs) pattern so tropes and patterns they exist it's okay um So one night, though, the slime invades Dana's apartment, attacking her and Oscar. She seeks refuge with Peter and they rekindle their relationship. Uh, The Ghostbusters discover the slime reacts to emotions and suspect it has amassed from the negative emotions of New Yorkers. Determining Vigo and the slime are connected, Egon, Ray, and Winston investigate the river of slime, but they are pulled in. They emerge at a museum and, being, and begin to fight each other until Egon realizes that they are being influenced by the slime's negative energy.
1: That's one of my favorite parts when they kind of figure out the slime and they're yelling at it. It's like, you're worthless piece of slime, you ignorant, disgusting blob.
0: What's funny- You wild, obnoxious muck. <laughs> is the ray is like punking it out the way you would punk out a human being you you're nothing but a, i no. have
1: seen some disgusting card in my time but you take the cake
0: um but egon's insult is literally like a chemistry joke
1: it's you're like nothing but not- an unstable short chain molecule <laughs> you have a weak electrochemical bond it's it's so egon <laughs> that'd be me like you're an even you're an uneven number (laughs) you're an odd number
0: (laughs) and it's so what's funny about it is it's working like because it just feeds on the negativity it's not like feeding on the words but like if i was a slime i'd be like wait what was that a was that an insult
1: you uh, a weak. We're calling short chain a uh, short short chain molecule.
2: Who the heck do you think you are?
0: Cut your hair, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I love that scene. Oh, God the the mood slime song. The yelling, uh, Ray yelling real insults. Egon insulting it's by science. Egon sleeping with the slime. That's a funny joke um you guys don't sleep with it do you uh, it's always the oh. quiet ones <laughs> oh you animal you animal <laughs> funny stuff funny funny stuff but uh the ghostbusters tell the mayor of their suspicions but are dismissed his assistant jack Hardemeyer, played by kurt fuller has then co- has them committed to a psychiatric hospital to protect the mayor's political interests a spirit in the form of Janos kidnaps Oscar and Dana pursues them into the museum, which is then covered in impenetrable slime on New York's on New Year's Eve. Ah, oh, the prediction, the slime rises to the streets causing widespread supernatural chaos. Learning of Hardemeyer's actions, the mayor fires him and has the Ghostbusters released. So before we get to that part, um, we've had this, the, uh, we've had like two moments with Lewis and Slimer. Did you know there was an entire small arc? So much was cut from this movie that there was an entire subplot of Lewis trying to catch Slimer throughout the movie. No, that would have been it great to all see cut for time. And oh, it's man. just this subplot stuff. And, but you get the beginning of it. Him seeing Slimer in the firehouse eating and picking out. And he's like, ah! And
1: I know there out. was there was a subplot of uh, Ray being like possessed by Vigo. Vigo. Yeah, um, that was supposed to be a lot more than what we actually got. He's supposed to fight them as Vigo. Yeah, and like he was driving crazy on the way to the art museum, and they were like, "What's going on?" And he tried mm-hmm. to kill him in the car or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're supposed to get full on possessed and fight as Ray Vigo. Um, But you get and then you get the last of of Lewis and Slimer's story in the movie still when he pulls up with the bus. He's like, oh, it's you. And Slimer's just like, get on, man. I'll take you where you need to go. Funny stuff. Um, But the mayor uh, also, did you catch who the psychiatrist was? that they were talking to Uh, after they're locked up. That is Brian Doyle Murray. That is Bill Murray's older brother. Oh, he's uh, also, uh, he's also Clark Griswold's boss in Christmas vacation. Oh, in Caddyshack. Actually, he's the reason Bill Murray got the part in Caddyshack. The guy who originally played was playing Murray's part dropped out and he told the director, he said, my little brother's an actor. He'd be funny at this. And thus we got Bill Murray's part in Caddyshack. Wow. So this was kind of like a payback, kind of like let's put Brian in the movie, just a small part. And Brian plays the psychiatrist that they're all talking to around the table. And he's like, so this painting's haunted, and they're all trying to tell him everything. And Bill just looks at him and he goes, I don't know. I think these people are crazy. Just a funny little moment with his brother. It just That's so cool. That's awesome. It is fun. That is a lot of fun. Um, but moving on, the last little bit of the plot here. Determining the need for a positive
1: symbol to rally the citizens and weaken the slime, the Ghostbusters use slime charged with positive emotions to animate the animate and pilot the Statue of Liberty through the streets filled with cheering citizens. At the museum, the slime barrier partially recedes in response to the positive emotions, and the Ghostbusters use uh, they use the statue's torch to mm. break through the ceiling, stopping Vigo from possessing Oscar. The Ghostbusters repel through the ceiling and neutralize Janosh with positive slime. Vigo takes on physical form, mobilizes Dana and the Ghostbusters, and recaptures Oscar. The gathered crowds outside begin singing a chorus of Auld Lang's sign, and their positivity weakens Vigo. He is forced to return to the painting, and the Ghostbusters are freed. Vigo possesses Ray, but the Ghostbusters use their weapons to free him and defeat Vigo painting being replaced by their likeness surrounding Oscar. <laughs> In the aftermath, the Ghostbusters are cheered by the city and the Statue of Liberty is returned to Liberty Island. And I guess we're gonna have to take control. your Keep lifting
0: me. me higher. Yeah. Higher. Good stuff. I mean, and that's also just a reuse. Instead of stay puffed, let's get a giant thing marching through the city but in a more positive manner yes it's a blueprint opportunity and a reuse from the first one but it's done so well when they're when they're realizing that they need this positive thing they're like we need something positive and they're all standing there something pure something everyone knows and sliming Lady Liberty with the positive slime and playing the song, which is like a remix reboot version of the song they had played previous. Um, It's just great, man. It's great stuff. Uh, It's exciting. It's fun. Um, I love the, the painting. I think I did realize this past time was that's a little cheesy. Who? who controlled who who changed the painting what entity was like let's make the painting them and and who it wasn't vigo like he's gone i don't know that part was a little little difficult to wrap my head around kind of like ah it's funny it's cheesy but who who did that well it was different though yeah but the fight also uh two of them have the positive slime and two of them have their proton packs. Um, Ray gets possessed. He looks odd possessing Ray. He looks like a monkey, like a poorly made teddy bear monkey. Uh, Murray even, like, Bankman even says, oh, Vigo, you have been a bad, bad, bad monkey or something like that. Which, yeah, he does say that. Just those little, little moments, too, I think... Uh, one of one of the comments we got later discusses a little comparison of Gozer and Vigo. And when we get to that, I think that'll that'll shed some light on why some people didn't like the sequel as much. Um, but this entire like last act, man, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. You know, we also get to see Lewis suit up and he's on the outside and, uh, you know, with the proton pack blasting the slime shell trying to help because, you know, he. Wants to be a Ghostbuster. And he just wants to help the guys. I was born to wear this. (laughs) You look so good. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't discussed that. Um, Lewis and Janine hooking up at Dana's apartment. That was an interesting choice. Oh, it (laughs) made perfect sense to me, though. It does. It makes perfect sense. Um, The whole, like... uh, I'd like to have a kid one day right now <laughs> here
1: <laughs> you want to you play Super Mario Brothers or something <laughs> Super
0: which, Mario Brothers, huh? which suggests that in Dana's apartment, which is much nicer. I like the second, the sequels apartment better than the first one. She has Super Mario Brothers. That line suggests that Dana has a Nintendo with Super Mario Brothers. She, yep, she's cool. She's 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 jive. She's hip to the whole thing, but I liked it, man. I mean, uh, Lady Liberty walking down New York City with your love keeps lifting me higher, all while being controlled by a Nintendo toggle thing. That's great stuff. It's good. I enjoyed it. I I love it. Being soaked in slimes and him and Ray at the end, since they're both soaked in this positively charged slime, they're like, "Hey, listen." I love you, man. You know, I like
3: you, too.
1: (laughs) An unfortunate unknown nerdledge uh, that I know, Oscar played by twins. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the two twins, unfortunately, committed suicide in the past couple years. Did you have that?
0: I did not know that. No. Yeah. Wow. That's sad. Yeah. I couldn't imagine... uh, not just your brother but your twin brother i know right because there's this is there's this even science hasn't been able to prove it like to explain it there's a connection for in sure twins. and i couldn't imagine man that'd be terrible yeah it would be terrible so yes yeah, speaking of some unknown nerds let's uh let's let's dive into that About a little earlier, uh, we said we would get to it. Um, while the role of Vigo was played by Wilhelm von Humburg, all his lines were later dubbed by Max von Seda, who's got a phenomenal voice. I would love him to read me a bedtime story. Um, but in this setting, him saying, Hi, Vigo. Uh, so you know when Wilhelm found out. When the movie came out. The premiere. Yeah. He oh. got up in anger and said, what the F is this? And left the premiere. Oops. I that How do you not tell him? I I'd that's say that, that's happened a lot. Oh,
3: like,
0: yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, Christopher Lee was pissed off with Peter for a little bit. Yeah, his whole death in uh, Return of the King. Everything was cut plan. out of the theatrical of three. He wasn't even in the yeah. Dadgum movie. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it does happen, but to not tell him and to learn the during the premiere, that's not my voice. <laughs> You've been dubbed by a much better voice. <laughs> um. So, in the years between Ghostbusters and... This film, The Real Ghostbusters 1986, introduced the idea that Slimer was living at the firehouse as the Ghostbusters pet. Because the original film and the cartoon series were so popular with children, they put Slimer in the second movie. Because if you watch the cartoon that came after the first movie, Slimer's a talking character. And this um. is believed to come right out of the animated series. And be a follow-up to it. So Slimer's been in the fire station the entire time. So it's not Bad explained idea. in the movie, but it's there.
1: Yeah. So that's canon. Likely it's canon. That? Yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah. It is canon. Um, I like the idea of them keeping him as a pet. It's very odd,
2: uh,
0: yeah, which I didn't watch. You know, every single episode of the animated series. I went back and watched some when streaming became a thing. Um, it's interesting. I mean, I love that Maurice Lamarche voices Egon. And I love him as a voice actor, but they all four look so different. Sure. <laughs> like do. Bankman's fat and redheaded, and uh, blonde. Egon's blonde. It's just, and then to say, oh, yeah, it's canon because the series eventually leads into the second movie. Well, then they should have looked exactly like Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd. Harold Ramis, you would think when you? you would think um, the yellow gadgets on the Ghostbusters belts are past devices, real safety v- devices used by firefighters all over the world at the time of this production. The device emits a loud alarm if it doesn't detect movement after a predetermined <laughs> time. For example, if a firefighter is knocked unconscious or trapped, they have uh, they have since been incorporated into the self-contained breathing apparatus worn by firefighters and may include thermal sensors, which sound an alarm with temperatures rise rapidly. So, so in case you get knocked out by a ghost. Yeah. And if you don't move for a certain amount of time, these alarms start blaring on your okay. belt. So it was kind of cool for them to Im- implement that, especially since their base of operations is hook and ladder number eight. Makes sense kind of a tip of the cap to the firefighters. Um, The uh, a little bit more on Jason Reitman being Jason who smarts off to Ray in the beginning. Um, The son of Ivan and the director of Afterlife uh, has also um, did Juno. Yeah. He directed Juno up in the air. And as yeah. like we said, Ghostbusters Afterlife.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, I see that one actually.
0: The girl in the lab with the puppy dog is Catherine Reitman. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah.
1: Got me on that one.
0: Which is a funny. Let's see what it's like when we take the puppy away. <laughs> he's so, like, he's very Sherlockian. There's no. Because the thing about Sherlock that I learned the most was, was more difficult, was the most difficult thing to do was not to be emotional. Cause Sherlock is not emotional. It's facts. It's questions. It's answers. There's no, I mean, like when I mean not emotional, I mean, he will raise his voice, but he's, he's not tied. Like Egon was very Sherlockian. in the fact that he was like, now take the puppy away. It's for science, all business. All business. Um, The New York police officer that receives the report of the Titanic's arrival says the call is coming from Pier 34. In real life, that was the ship's destination. Oh,
1: and also cameo by Cheech Marin there. It is. Better late than never.
0: Better late than never. (laughs) Um, After the release of this film, Louis Tolley was added into the real Ghostbusters cartoon series. As he should be.
1: As he absolutely should be.
0: Mm -hmm. Janine's appearance significantly changed from the 1984 Ghostbusters to conform to her animated counterpart in the real Ghostbusters series. So Janine in the series looked more like Janine in the sequel movie.
1: A little more uh, on the sexy side?
0: Exactly. Which is what 80s and 90s cartoons were very good at doing. (laughs) <laughs> was sensualizing women.
1: Oh, no. Who are you going to call?
0: Who are you going to call? <clears throat> um, Ivan Reitman blames the shift of the zeitgeist for the film's chilly response. Uh, Tim Burton's Dark Batman 1989 came out a week after this. Ghostbusters 2 held the number one spot for a week. Until the dark knight himself laid justice. No shame and in losing it. to Batman though. No, no shame at all. None at all. Um, ironically, Tim Burton has a movie, has a music credit in this. In the credits. Clusters? Tim Burton did some music for the credits in the sequel. No way. Mm-hmm. And guess who else is on the album? Who's that? Elton John? what is on the ghostbusters 2 album the ghostbusters 2 album dude has elton john bobby brown ray parker jr run dmc uh, uh jazzy j um it is a phenomenal album if you go back and look at it uh and listen to it it's fantastic James taylor james taylor
1: new edition run dmc
0: Elton John. Yeah. Wow. What an album. Wow. And it really highlighted that 89 era of music. Cause we weren't really to the boy bands yet. New edition had like just come on the scene and they were like the first boy band. And before Marky Mark was even a thing, stuff like that. Um, there was new edition, the greatest boy band to ever live. Yeah. Here's Danny Elfman. It's crazy, isn't it? And then a week later, his full music takes number one in the box office for Batman.
3: Uh Oh.
0: 89 was a year for movies, man. I'm pretty sure that 89 was also the third Indiana Jones.
1: Uh, That sounds right. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah third Indiana Jones, Batman. What a year. Michael what great. Ghostbusters 2. What,
1: what wonderful things came out of the year 1989.
0: Not just to mention films, but two phenomenal nerds were born in the year of 1989.
1: Hey, that's what I hear.
0: That's what, that's the word going around the campfire right now. The scene involving a woman's mink coat coming to life was originally written and storyboarded oh, the for the first one. Ghostbusters. Yep. the mink coat (laughs) coming to life uh, every time it happens I'm like it's the 80s (laughs) like it was just so funny because today the mink coat would have eaten the woman yeah Yeah. she she got (laughs) out of that one easy yeah that was was a cool idea (laughs) that that was a really cool effect (laughs) like because today's Paranormal movies would have had it come to life and tear her apart. Oh yeah, you're lucky I'm it ran sorry. off. I'll be a
1: vegan. <laughs> I promise.
0: Uh, so last one, the main bad guy is named Vigo von Humburg Dosteldorf. The actor who plays Vigo is Willem von Humburg. William T. Dosteldorf and Henry J. Dosteldorf oh the second, play Oscar. They're nephews of John Denver. Oh, John freaking Denver, whose real name is Henry J. Dutschendorf. John freaking Denver. Wow. You kind Mm. of blew my mind with that one. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Ghostbusters (laughs) 2.
0: There is one joke that I didn't talk about. It's a very scientific joke. Uh, uh, When Venkman teases Egon, how's school... I bet the ladies love that big cranium here. He says, uh, I think they're more interested in my epididymis. The, uh, the epididymis are these small tubes that connect the vas deferens to the testes.
1: Oh, goodness. <laughs> it's kind of a, awkward it's, subtle. Thing,
0: Egon. it's subtle. You know, you know who would make a good Egon? Maybe if he didn't play it the way he plays his main, his character. Um, Sheldon. Oh, uh, Jim Parsons. If he didn't play it as abstract as Sheldon is, I think he could play a good Egon.
1: Yeah, but I feel like it'd be too similar, so he probably wouldn't be good at that. Yeah. Maybe had Sheldon not existed, he would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. But I would. I feel like I would associate it with, with Sheldon. I feel like everybody would.
0: Yeah. Um, so, as I said, We got some more thoughts and questions. So let's get into these. Uh, Digital Dissection Podcast had this to say. Just as funny as its predecessor. Despite some familiar tropes, it's enjoyable because we get to see our favorite characters and what they did after the original. The best part about the sequel is watching our favorite characters carry on with their lives. It's true.
1: Yeah. Just wish that things had turned out differently for Dana and, and Pete.
0: Yeah. Uh, Nerd Crusade podcast asked which character of all three movies three movies deserves a life size plush because obviously there's only three of these right? Like there are only three Indiana Jones movies, right?
3: Oh
0: <laughs> uh, You're saying one, two and afterlife we're going to ignore yes. 2016 one um, I think they all do I think all four Ghostbusters do, and I think that we need a State Puff life-size plush Slimer. I would I would love a massive life-size plush of State Puff that you can, like, sit on. Like, it's also a beanbag.
1: Like oh, surely that exists. Big and
0: sits in the corner. Ugh.
1: I was I'm just cool. looking today for Black Friday deals on those big, you know, chill sacks like that. Yeah. Yeah, still more than I want to pay, but (laughs) maybe one day. I don't know. Who do you think?
0: Stay Puff? Is that the best one? Yeah, I think so. Or maybe Slimer. Slimer or Stay Puff, definitely. Um, TSP and OE Podcast says, I am a fan, a huge fan of the original. I've watched it, no lie, a hundred times. The sequel did nothing for me. I've watched it maybe twice thought it was a lot of the same just replayed and i think bill murray's ego as well as others maybe got in the way as well very disappointing film for me
1: interesting interesting yeah i've i've heard people say that before
0: yeah i've heard that old murray's got an ego yeah did you know that bill murray uh doesn't have an agent i did not know that he's a voicemail he has a voicemail. You leave a voicemail. And in the time that you can leave a voicemail, which is what these days, a minute and a half. If in that a minute and a half, you pique his interest, he'll call you. So you have like a minute or however long a voicemail is to pitch what you want Bill Murray to be a part of. And if in that short time, he, you've piqued his interest, he'll call you back. So essentially an elevator pitch pretty much got, get an elevator pitch Murray. An
1: elevator ride
0: still in 2021 no agent he has a voicemail
1: he's a pro he can do what he wants
0: yeah our dear friends I understood that reference podcast uh, Ghostbusters two is definitely a disappointment compared to the first one but does it really deserve the almost retrospective dislike that it seems to have nowadays oh. in my case, I definitely don't love it, but this is not to say it's not a good movie. Just that compared to the first one, it isn't as good. There's some great ideas and it's a nice feel good movie and some laughs. I think you'd like I understood that reference. You should listen to them. They're very well spoken. Oh, I like them. At uh, Grief Burrito on Twitter asks Why has that guy got such an intense stare? And why does he think it's acceptable to be? Why, why does he think it's acceptable to be goobing all that purple stuff everywhere? I mean in public streets too. Because he's Vigo, the scourge scourge of Carpathia. He does what he it's wants, he doesn't abide goobin by goobin your too. rules. He can be goobing all over he wants. He just goobs all over the place. <laughs> uh so wizard podcast says it's not very good and kind of proves that the point that the original is lightning in a bottle even the entire same team from the first one couldn't make the sequel good okay well yeah at dre driven 83 big shout out to dre uh on twitter uh loved his favorite moments bobby brown's song yeah the titanic showing up yeah, and the statue of memory. liberty marching down the street yeah those are his favorite moments i'm telling you when i was hanging out with dre and we were talking ghostbusters at new york comic-con even then he was like that bobby brown song on the second one man i love that part like I yeah, love it that really <laughs> so uh i can attest he I, does my favorite
1: part bit. of the second one is them
0: yelling at the slime you disgusting slime uh oh and this is one we got DJ Mike Howey himself uh, sent Mike. his thoughts. Not too bad. A solid sequel. But the only thing I really remember the most is Vigo the Carpathian. Man, a few words. Oh, my. Oh, God. command me, Lord. At Chris Mac 1723 on Twitter asks Money Mac. what do you think happened between Dana and Peter? We get a little hint. You know, he says you don't. You didn't understand. I'm a man. I have needs. I have to love. She said you called me the old ball and chain, and I guess comfortability. I think it's that he doesn't take anything seriously. Yeah,
1: I think that he's always making everything a joke, and and that's a wonderful trait to have to an extent. Oh yeah. Then you get to the point where it's like, okay, enough. So Mm. I think she had enough.
0: Yeah. At WhiskeyBeard0401 on Instagram. Great, great name. A.K.A. my boss, Brian. Hey. Had this to say, I personally enjoyed it. As you put it at work the day we talked about it, it wasn't as good as the first because it tried to push too far for the comedy side. It almost seemed rushed like the studio was trying to capitalize on the success of the first one, but it needed time to develop. Like we said, Vigo was not as much of a threat as Gozer was. However, I liked it because of a continuance of the story, but in hindsight, the villain should have been swapped. Vigo first, because he's easier, and then Gozer in the second. If they knew the first one would have been received well, it would have been a better setup if Gozer was a bigger bad guy you worked to. Oddly yeah. enough, Katie enjoys his wife, Katie, enjoys the second one more because it was the first one she saw. And how she was introduced to the Ghostbusters? Okay. Yeah, I mean, Vigo that's a good point there.
1: We 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 get more Vigo. Like Gozer just sort of shows yeah. up, and and Vigo we get a little more yeah. build up to him. But so. he's
0: not as threatening in my eyes as Gozer. Definitely not. Yeah. That whole <laughs> Gozer thing, was like I was like, the world's <laughs> about to freaking end. Like yeah. Vigo was a pissed off old man in a painting. This was a Scooby Doo story. Like Gozer, that threat level—that's like supernatural. That's like something Dean and Sam handle. This is a haunted painting. This is Scooby Doo. This is a smaller level story, if you ask me. So he makes a very valid point. Vigo's not as threatening, but if they had known as the success the first one would be, they probably started out with a smaller
1: body. When when he transferred his spirit into the body of that baby. Mm -hmm. That
0: baby's not very threatening. No, no, he's not. That's one thing I thought when I very first saw this is I was like, I mean, not when I was a kid, but when I first saw it again as an adult, like maybe like mid high school, I was like, "Um, what's he going to do as the baby? And it's kind of like that
1: situation where people are like, okay, you go back in time, you find Hitler as a baby.
0: What do you do? Yeah. You or find like what the, War Machine says. Why don't we just go back and find baby Thanos and yeah exactly. first of all, gross. <laughs> Second of all, that wouldn't change anything. <laughs> um, which going back and watching that, I went back and watched Endgame a little while ago, and I don't necessarily love their concept of time. I like oh, to subscribe to Back to the Futures time travel stories like instead of there being change the something levels, like if you change something it changes the future just point blank
1: yeah but back to the future wasn't trying to kill people and bring them back to life over and over again and have endless possibilities of character stories and stuff okay
0: <laughs> easy way up that's true <laughs> um, and a final thing Big shout out, Rich from Three Fat Nerds at Three Fat Nerds Pod. Had Rich. this to say. Uh, this movie was a ton of fun, more of a slapstick comedy than the original. I'm sure that it's why it doesn't get as much love, but I still enjoy the movie. I mean, who doesn't love Vigo? Dana. Dana doesn't love Vigo. I would say.
1: Probably uh, Oscar.
0: Oscar's probably like. Probably traumatized. Oscar probably, like, grew up and was like, uh, so what's, like, the worst thing that's happened to you? And he's, like, in high school. When I was one, I was possessed by a 16th century madman. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, you think homework's bad? Try being possessed at the age of one by a 16th century Carpathian.
1: I think that uh, Oscar is exempt from his test this year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's that's funny. That is funny. So, final thoughts on Ghostbusters 2. What are they, Juice? Ghostbusters 2. uh, Again,
1: not as good as the first one, but dang, (laughs) I think a pretty good effort at a sequel uh, and uh, now that we've talked Ghostbusters one and two, I'm looking forward big time to seeing an Afterlife and discussing that. And I think rumor has it we're going to try to watch the old, uh, yes, ill conceived 2016 uh, Ghostbusters True. reboot that I've never seen before. We're going to try to check that out. We and will. also hear that we might be making our own ectoplasms. So I've heard that. Lots heard of things hard on hard. the horizon for you
0: boys. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, I, I mean, I've already said, you know, how I feel. Of course, you're not going to get lightning in a bottle the second time. Uh, I believe I've also said that about American Dad, Cleveland Show, stuff like that. It'll never be family guy for me but I cannot hold that against American dad and things like that. It won't be family guy because it's not family guy. This isn't the first Ghostbusters. It's just not, it's the sequel. And everyone knows the curse of the sequel, just like everyone who's ever been on stage in their life. And I had to explain this to the cast on Friday, the curse of the second show.
1: Oh, we've done it. We're okay. Always
0: the worst of all of them is the second show. Every time. I had to explain that to like, Wes came to me. He's like, can I, can you explain to them, you know, since you're the veteran and all this, you know, it's the second show, please keep energy up. And then, but then that also got me thinking, is that all in our head as actors? We're getting told about the curse of the second show. So we immediately think, Oh, it's the second show. I'm going to be, I'm going to be.
1: No, I, I think it's just in nature to let your guard down. When mm-hmm. when you fear the unknown and then it's no longer the unknown, you're not as afraid anymore. When you're not as afraid, you don't have your guard up. Yeah. Simple as that. They don't know to think ahead to combat that stuff yet.
0: Yeah. It's,
1: it just comes with experience.
0: So all this being said, it's a sequel. I mean, it does have the curse of the sequel, but as sequels go, I didn't hate it. I liked it. I did. I have I have enjoyed talking Ghostbusters too. Obviously, not as in detailed as the first one. Uh, so this one will be in one part, not two. <laughs> um, but I'm excited, I'm excited. I am thoroughly excited for the next couple of days. Cause people are already posting on social media, like, I've seen it, it's beautiful, stuff like that. Um I've heard a lot about you know stop by concessions and get
1: napkins for For the the crying in in the last section of the the movie so
0: bro i'm telling you man it's uh it's beautiful i'm gonna try not to get a little teary-eyed just talking about it i'm gonna save it for the for the movie i'm looking forward to it yeah um but thank you for tuning in nerds um please continue to uh send in thoughts and questions on things uh Go ahead and send us your thoughts and questions on the reboot. And uh, by the time we talk about afterlife in the next episode, it will have been at the embargo time. So send in your thoughts or your questions if you've seen the movie. Um, And and I also really thoroughly enjoy what I'm seeing out there. And this is what I love about Ghostbusters fans is I'm not seeing spoilers. I haven't seen a thing. Not seeing spoilers. Keep up the good work, ghost heads. I love it. I love that you're not seeing spoilers. Um, if you haven't seen it, get out and see it, get out and support this, get out and and watch this movie over and over because what Jason Reitman has done, uh, is the only thing I'm going to say, if you haven't seen it, it's a love letter to us ghost heads. It's a love letter and it's beautiful. And it's great. And it's funny and it's scary. And it's, it's everything that you want in a 2021 ghostbusters movie. Um, can't wait to talk about it. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the reboot that they did in 2016. Likes, dislikes, things like that. So send in your thoughts and questions on both the reboot and afterlife. That's about it for me, Juice. What do you think? That's it for me, man. Awesome. But just remember, nerds, the end of the 30 and Nerdy Podcast episode is just a doorway. Time is but a window. And we'll be back. If something
3: strange in your neighborhood Who you gonna call?